Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? All right, let's try that again like we actually mean it. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? All right, you may have a seat. Tell the person next to you, you look good tonight. You look really good. Uh, (laughs) Welcome home. This is your house. This is a place where you can uh, call home. Uh, we, we believe wholeheartedly that God has an incredible plan, and uh, this is called Formation Fridays. It's a, it's a night where uh, we don't, how do I say this, uh, we don't always, we don't do this so you could like church. Uh, we do this so you could be like Jesus. So tonight, it's really not about, I hope I, liked, I hope my friend likes the music, I hope the pastor preaches about something nice and prosperity or something, because True prosperity is really focusing on being in the center of the will of God. And so we can be successful but not prosperous. You ever thought about that? That people can have a lot of success by the world standards and yet still be hollow, empty, in pain, in, in, in loneliness. I've, I've met quite a bit of people in the work I used to do where people seem to have everything and yet had nothing. The Bible says, what is a prophet a man to win the whole world if he loses his soul? And so what we're after here, every single Friday night, we are after formation according to the image of Jesus Christ. Just so we're clear on why we're here and why I believe God brought you to this place, it is to really shape your life according to His image. Not according to CFF, not according to a pastor, not according to a church or religion, but according to the image of Christ, the Imago Dei. What is the image of God? And that's the standard. At the end of the day, it's not about what does the culture say, what is, what is legal, what is illegal, what is right or even wrong. Or right, what is really according to Christ? What is the image of God? So what I want you to do is something. We are in the third part of, uh, of the three-part series called what? A Different Spirit. Some of you guys uh, have been keeping up. Raise your hand if you were here last Friday. Wow, cool, cool. All right, cool. So I would like to know, uh, before we pray, who remembers... What we talked about last Friday, last Friday. All right, go ahead, Anthony. Small-mindedness, right? That's part of it. That was the Friday before that. So we called it the disease of smallness, right? Hold on a second. So the disease of smallness uh, is the mindset uh, that we can't, we won't, um, you know, what if not, what if it doesn't happen. But then the week after that, we talked about something very specific. What was it? It was true. It was also about that, but we went a little bit deeper. An overcoming spirit, right? And we talked about the eyes of an overcomer, the heart of an overcomer, right? The hands of an overcomer, the mouth of an overcomer, right? How does an overcomer speak? Not negative. He's not always whining, complaining, right? Uh, we talked about the hands of an overcomer, right? The feet of an overcomer. And so I don't, we won't be able to, to spend much time talking about that because I really want to get to today's message. But I want you to do something very, very simple today and just uh, with me, would you pray and just ask God to help us uh, to be more like him. You know, I, I really understand one thing. I grew up in church and I did not want to be a pastor. My wife and I did not want to be pastors. As a matter of fact, Eoni said, one day I'm going to marry a pastor's kid so that he never wants to be a pastor. And uh, lo and behold, here we are. We're both pastor's kids and we, and we ended up marrying each other and now we're pastors. And my degree is not in, in, in pastoring. <laughs> uh, that's like theology or whatever people get their degrees on to get pastoring. But I actually do have a minor in that and Bible and read and all that stuff. But what is a pastor and what is a church? You are the church and you are a pastor. Now, before we get all freaked out and you guys are no, 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 I'm not. I'm not a pastor. I work at Starbucks, bro. No, no, no. Uh, You are a pastor. When Peter comes up to Jesus and Jesus simply asks him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, you know I love you. And he says, well, take care of my sheep. Feed my flock. The crazy thing is that in Spanish, we don't have a different word for shepherd or pastor. Pastor is a shepherd and a shepherd is a pastor. It is the same word for us. When we read the Bible... And Jesus says, be a pastor. Go pastor. Go pastor my sheep. To me, there's no distinction. 
See, because every single one of us in here, at some point or another, we're going to have to pastor someone. You're going to have to lead someone. You're going to have to not only lead, you're going to have to feed someone. The question is, what are you feeding them? The question is, what are we ourselves feeding off of? Because we are what we are we. We always ought to remember, why are we even in this place? What, because this building can fall apart. I told you guys, one day, one of our churches got burned down to the ground by an arsonist. Found them in Florida. Uh, and I just thought it was crazy because that was one of the coolest times of our church where people really were about it. They were not about, hey, if it's a little bit later, I won't be there. Or, or you know what? No, if it's inconvenient. We didn't have a church. When we were being persecuted because my mom's a, a woman and, and she's a, she used to be the pastor of the church. And the people would literally said women are not supposed to preach or to be in the kitchen and to take care of the kids. Outside of that, if not, get out of here. And uh, it was intense. They asked all our leaders to step down. All our, uh, of course, we didn't step, the leaders didn't step down. We're like, screw you. In, in Christianese, of course, you know. <laughs> like, forget you guys. And so we just started growing somewhere else. Why do I tell you this? Because what we're here to do is not to learn about the Bible. That you can do on YouTube. Amen? We're here to actually try to live out the gospel. Try to live out what the word of God says. And so for that to happen, we must be confronted with our wrong archetypes. The, the thought process that really hurts the heart of God. What is it about our lives that doesn't look like Jesus? That doesn't reflect God? What is it that breaks our communion, our, 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 our relationship with the Holy Spirit? What is it that is such a lie that is part of such a, such a culture like the American culture and the Christian culture even in America that is really not Christ-like? At the end of the day, we're not here to grow in numbers as a church. That's a byproduct of growing deep in the Lord and doing things according to the scripture. What we're here to do is become disciples of Jesus Christ. And wherever you are, whether it is at Starbucks or whether it's in the government or whether it is, you know, I don't know, in, in the medical field. Or, you know, in the fitness field. I know we're trying to do a, like a fitness club here at uh, CFF. And he, that's going to be really cool. We've been talking about that. We have nutritionists here. We have, uh, we, where's, where's uh, uh, Louie and Natalie? All right, cool. If we could all just look like you guys, man, it would be pretty sweet. But anyway, you're going to help us out, right? Um, but uh, but, but we, whether, whether it is that you push iron or whether it is that, you know, I don't know, you, you swim, I know you're a swimmer, whether it is that you sell cars or wherever you are, we are called to feed the sheep. Amen? We're called to do the Great Commission. And so what I want to share with you guys today, it's something that I believe is going to change the way uh, that we feel and the way that we think about our calling. So close your eyes for a second, please. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to intervene and to really just do what he wants to do tonight. Is that cool? Yes? Okay, cool. Okay, some of you guys are like catching up. Okay, cool. All right, dear God, thank you so much because I know that you, you arrived here way before we did. You prepared everything, God. We know that before you put men in your creation, you set it up. You created an environment for us to grow. And I thank you, God, because the environment for us to grow is this place right now, right here. I ask you that your word would bring, just as it did in the past, order to chaos, light to darkness, God, that our families, the way we are husbands and wives and, and sons and daughters, that the way that we are employees and, and bosses, God, that we would be Christ-like in everything that we do. God, I pray right now that you renew our minds. That if there's anyone in this place right here, right now, God, that is struggling in any area of their lives, that today, God, you could give them the same spirit that was in Caleb. God, that you give us the mindset of conquerors. Jesus, you called us your children. Father, you called us your children. And by Jesus, by you, your sacrifice, Christ, we became co-heirs. And so we just ask you right now that you change our hearts, change our mind, that we could be light in a world that is filled with darkness. Thank you, God, for your grace, for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, cool, cool. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go super fast. If you guys are okay with that, and if you're not, it's okay because my son's birthday, so I'm going to hurry up. No, just kidding. Okay, Coco. Cool, cool. So, um, I, what I we already cut cake. We already all that stuff. But I want to get back there and just kiss them a little bit more. I spent all day with them, and I want to share with you. You guys know how important you are. Do I need to remind you how important you guys are? You have no idea. Like, I'm taking time away from my family to pour into your life. Like, that's ridiculous, by the way. I don't know. Um, I would have never done that if I didn't think I spent enough time today. But I want you guys to know how important this time is for me. I wasn't forced to be here. We could have delegated this time to any one of the leaders. 
Any of the leaders could preach just as good, man. They could do such a good job. Both Eoni and I prayed a whole lot about it. And Eoni and I, we both decided, no, it's important that you share that word tonight because God wants to do something through it. So please receive it. And if you don't, then don't trample the pearls. Okay, cool. Uh, here we go. You guys got it? All right, cool, cool. Uh, I'm going to go really quick to um, Joshua 14, 6 through 15. Joshua 14, 6 through 15. And, uh, and I'm just going to, I'm going to read it fast. And here we go. Ready, set. You guys got it? Okay, if you're not there yet, you could switch to Apple later from Android. Just kidding. A delegation from the tribe of Judah led by Caleb, son of Jephthah, uh, Kenishite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of, God, of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land for my part. I wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. This is awesome. So that day Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will you no, no will be your grant your grant and land of land and that of your descendants forever. Check this out. Because you wholeheartedly why? Wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. This is cool. Verse 10. Now as you can see the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 Years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. I am a strong now as I watch when Moses sent me on the journey. And I can still travel and, and, and fight as well as I could then. This is awesome. So give me that mountain or give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great in great walled towns but if the Lord is with me oh this is awesome but if the Lord is with me I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said so Joshua blessed Caleb son of Jeff Jephuneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb son of Jephuneh, the Kenes the Kenesite because the whole the, he wholeheartedly followed the Lord the God of Israel previously Hebron had been called Kiriath Arba it had been named after Arba, a great hero of the descendants of Anak, and the land had rest from war. This is one of the, those stories that you hear over and over and over. You probably heard it already three times the past three weeks. But what I want to really focus in today is those giants, those, not only giants, those enemies of any conqueror. If you are to conquer the promised land in your life, by the way, the promised land in your life is different maybe today than his promised land. Your promised land may not be named Canaan. But maybe your promised land is a priestly family or a family that serves God. Or maybe your promised land is being prosperous enough that you can bless the Lord and bless people with what he's blessed you with. That you're not the borrower, you're the lender. Maybe a promised land for some of you here is actually being in right standing in every area of your life. Whether it is moral or financial or legal, right? That is part of the promised land. Maybe for you, the promised land here is, is having health. Some of you that might be struggling with health issues. And you say, that's my Canaan, to be able to run again. When I tore my ACL, I didn't realize how much I miss hiking. I really miss hiking. And you guys, you're like, I don't miss hiking at all. I really miss hiking. It's beautiful. Being able to just go out. It's really hard with a torn ACL. What I want to tell you is I don't know what your promised land. It may be something as simple as hiking or something as intense as having God restore your family. Am I making sense? Or maybe getting your 12, maybe getting people that are so committed to God, that really love the Lord, that you surround yourself with, that you actually impact this society, that you multiply the character of Christ, not just religion, but that you actually say, I want people to be Christ-like. Follow me as I follow Christ. Oh, that's a bold statement nowadays, isn't it? Where everybody claims, oh, no, no, it's, hum it's not humility. To say, oh, don't follow me, follow Jesus, but don't follow me. That doesn't make sense. It's not biblical. It is not biblical. It is biblical to say, I'm following Jesus Christ. Let me help you get to him. Yeah. That's what Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. As a matter of fact, he told his disciple Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, this do and teach to others. Just as I'm doing with you, same thing. Find other people that are capable, able, that are actually able to listen and do the same thing that I'm doing with you. He said, follow me. Now go do the same thing. 
This is called discipleship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. And that is one of the truest statements ever. Why do I say this to you today? Because as we read this story, we don't realize this. But all of us in here, we have a land to conquer. Every one of us here have land to conquer. Every one of us here have a promise from God or many promises from God. But we will also fight similar enemies just as Caleb did. One of the enemies that Caleb fought, and if you read it fast, you will miss it. But if you read it over and over and in detail, I promise you, you'll dig some beautiful pearls. Pearls are not really dug. Beautiful diamonds from the scripture. If you really are able to, can you dig it? I'm just kidding. If you really dig the word of God, you'll be able to find some incredible treasure. And if you, if you just graze over it like you did in all your college books, you won't get it. You have to be able to say, Lord, I actually want you to speak to me. And there's some beautiful truths here. The first thing that we find is that he had to fight against grasshoppers. You're thinking, wait, that's not in the Bible. Yes, it is. These people saw themselves as grasshoppers. It says there that the 10 spies, right? There were supposed to be 12 spies, which is Joshua, Caleb, and then the other 10 names that I try to give you money to see if you remember any of their names, and none of you could remember them. By the way, I did this at a church not too long ago, and I gave them a hundred bucks. I had already the money in my hand. Whoever could tell me at least one of the names of the ten spies. How many of you guys know no one told me the name, right? No one can tell me the name. I bet you guys still can't tell me the name. I'll give you all I got in my right pocket, besides the lint. If you could t- don't look at your notes. No, 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 I'll be cheating. It's church, bro. Don't cheat. One of the names of the ten spies, 15 bucks all I got on my name. It's my son's birthday. Just kidding. Anybody, one of the ten names? No, ten spies. That's part of the twelve. No one still remembers this cat. Do you know why? Because they were the grasshoppers. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. And this is a crazy thing. If you're going to conquer, if you're going to do something for Christ, you have to be willing to go against the status quo. You have to be able to be a different person. See, we in this society, we say we love originality as long as it fits the mold. Oh, yeah, you, you got to be original. Just don't ruffle any feathers. Don't talk about Christ too much. Don't say Jesus in the public. Don't you read the Bible in your lunch break. Please don't say you're a disciple. Just because that just sounds weird. When was the last time, let me ask you a simple question, that the Holy Spirit just asked you, hey, or spoke to you and said, would you speak to this person about Jesus? And you decided to not be a grasshopper and said, okay, I'm going to be one of the two, not one of the ten. And you simply said, hey, I know this is going to sound super weird, man. But I believe that God's putting something in my heart. And, and it's just that he loves you. Uh, which God? The one God, dude. The only God. <laughs> or you know what? This is going to sound really strange. It already does. But can I buy you coffee? Uh, are you gay? It doesn't matter. Can I buy you coffee? I just want to share with you about the greatest love. Oh, you are? (laughs) About the greatest love, the love of God. When was the last time the Holy Spirit prompted you to not be a grasshopper? When was the last time that you said, I don't care what everybody else says. I don't care how faithless they are. I have a promised land. My promised land is simple. I have a promised land. I will fight for that promised land. When was the last time that when everybody else was lying in their taxes, you decided to be righteous and not a grasshopper? When was the last time, if I could be so, so hurtful here for just a second for some of you, that in sexuality and the way our sexually charged culture, the way it is, that when you started doing the process right and simply having a friendship with a girl instead of speeding game right away, trying to hook up with her, and they told you, what, are you slow or something? You're like, no, I'm just not a grasshopper. Am I making sense? When was the last time you actually understood that you're not supposed to become like everyone else? You're supposed to become like one person, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? You could give God a shout of praise. Why not? When you and I, when you and I understand that this, it says in Numbers 13, 33, we saw the Nephilim there, the descendants, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. If you ever want to get a weird read in the Bible, just look up the word Nephilim. It'll confuse you a lot. I promise you. Then you come back, I'll explain it. It takes a long time. But anyway, there was just huge giants. There was intense demonic race of people. And when I say race, I mean like, like Mexicans. You know, I mean like, like this, this kind of people that this, this entire generation of people were just wicked. So much so that whoever God 
God said, whoever would mingle with these guys, whoever would be with these people, I'm going to wipe them out because this is how wicked this entire generation was. So this is intense. Like Sodom and Gomorrah on steroids, they even said they were a different kind of breed. Anyway, so these are their descendants. So we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. How do they know? How do they know? Okay, we look like grasshoppers and our eyes, and I'm sure we look the same to them. How do they know? I think that's one of the biggest lies of the enemy. That he tells you, what are people going to think of me? See, that's how grasshoppers think. What will people say? Now, I'm not saying you become a weirdo and scare people away with Bible thumping in the face. I'm simply telling you, be bold for the Lord. Man, when, you're, when you are a son, I, this is something that, that really I'm praying so much about. My son right now is five years old and he still loves to be kissed at school. So when I'm, by me, of course, I come in the kitchen, I go in the cheek and I like attack him with kisses as soon as he gets out of school. Papa! And he runs at me and I run at him. It's like this beautiful, na, 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 na. You know, it's amazing. But I know that when he turns 12 or 13, he might want to become a grasshopper. But I will embarrass the stuff out of him. Because I don't want my son to ever be ashamed of me or embarrassed of me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to make his friends jealous. And maybe give him some love too. What if I was to tell you seriously, are you in that teenage Christian stage still? Where you're walking hand by hand with God and your friends see you let go. And of course that just sounds really weird because you would never do that, would you? Would you? Would I? I could talk to my employees, just not my boss. Your boss needs Jesus as much as your employees. Amen? Probably more than your employees. Because see, the boss always has to be poised. That's why so many pastors struggle. Because they always have to look right. And, and maybe appear proper. And always everything's good. In reality, some are falling apart at the seams without friendship. Why do I tell you this? Because many times people will say this. It's lonely, lo it's lonely at the top. Why don't you climb at the top for a second and just speak to somebody about Jesus. So I'm going to be very specific. Maybe your Canaan is your own personal Canaan. But just maybe God's Canaan is also your Canaan. Have you ever wondered what's God's promised land? Like what, if, what is it that the promise that God, if, if God was to have a, like a birthday wish, what do you think God would ask for? If today instead of Joshua Caleb, which is my son's name. What if it was Jesus' birthday, a.k.a. Christmas? What do you think Jesus would ask for Christmas? What would be his promise, his desire? Gift card? No. What? I read one time, and I will never forget it. The heartbeat of God is souls, 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 souls. See, because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible, the entire thing is a story of redemption. Man fall away from the love and relationship, intimate, loving, passionate relationship with God. And then all the story unfolds. And at the end, this whole entire story is God leading up to restoration of the people he created back to himself. His son in the middle has to die because the first Adam Meaning our great, 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 great grandparents really messed, really messed it up. Why do I tell you this? Because when your promised land coincides with God's promised land, then you have the support of God to get there. Now, when your promised land coincides with God's promised land, then you have the cloud, you have the pillar of fire, then you have nothing to worry about. If I ask you, why do you play the sports you play? Why do you have the relationships you have? See, my wife and I, we love each other. But can I tell you, we don't always like each other. Wow, that sounded jacked up. <gasps> My pastor, you don't always like your wife? I do. She doesn't always like me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what? Because I'm not always and she's not always. You guys know us. We'll never pretend. If she's angry, she's angry. And you'll know pastor's angry. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can't exaggerate anything. I'm the, like, she says, oh, it was 17 years ago, um, 16 years ago, pastor. Pablo, he wanted to come faster. Why do, I guys, why do I tell you guys this? Because we have this love for each other. We love, love each other so much. But we also understand that we have accountability above us. And we have a greater purpose than just making each other happy. 
Our purpose is much greater than that. Our promised land is not just a, a nice house, a picket, white picket fence, 2.5 cars, three kids. That's not our promised land. Only our promised land must coincide with God's. So let me hurry up here. First thing is this, grasshoppers. Fight the mentality of the grasshoppers. If you're not doing that, then you already are a grasshopper. If you didn't feel uncomfortable about your faith a little bit this week, or if you didn't go out of your comfort zone to share the gospel, I'll be very plain. See, Christians, we love to philosophize. We love to go into the Greek and the Hebrew and the geek and everything else. We love to think about how we're going to do things, but we don't do it. We ought to do something immediately, be doers of the word. Now, here's the cool thing about this. It doesn't always have to be, uh, let me tell you the Roman road or this bunch of verses. Sometimes it's simply being Christ-like to people, being kind, being loving. Let me go to the next one. First one that we said is fighting against the what? The grasshoppers. The second one, and if we have the slide up there. I think it's really cool. Giants. The giants are the circumstances. Some mountains could only be moved by faith. Some you could dig through and all the... Different things. But the giants are the circumstances. I don't know what circumstances you and I will face. A song says that we are all one phone call away from our knees. You ever heard that before? You are one phone call away from your knees. Just one call. Hey, I just want to tell you your son. I just want to tell you your mom. I just want to tell you. I'm sorry to tell you over the phone. All of us in here are one phone call away from our knees. For some of you here, maybe some of you that are so young, you're not married yet. But man, to hear that your spouse is being unfaithful. As a pastor, I'm only 37 years old, but since I was 17 years old, I've been hearing of unfaithfulness. And let me tell you, that circumstance is so painful. You know what the crazy thing about that is? It didn't begin that way. You see, when people go through, the, I remember the first time when in my business, and this is wild, 2009, when the economy completely shifted, I got a letter full of numbers on the side, and it looked so official. I felt this pit in my stomach. I was being sued by one of the companies that were the advertising company. I had to pay my last employee with machinery. I was, man, I was only 20-something, 20 23, 24. I didn't know how to deal with that situation. I felt a giant stomping on me. Because I had never been sued before, you see. I had never owed somebody so much money that I couldn't pay back. Why do I tell you this? Because different circumstances come in life and they come at you hard. Sometimes it may not be that. Maybe you getting kicked out of school because your financial aid didn't come through. And maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal to somebody else, but it's a huge deal when you're going through it. I remember when I was in ninth grade, I got a pimple right on my nose and it was Sadie Hopkins. You guys know what Sadie Hopkins, is that what it's called? Right on my nose, this big old red thing. I look like, and then my brother, my older brother, who's so kind and loving, he started calling me Rudolph. You guys know all the songs, you know? And so he started just going nuts. And I remember that was such a crisis. You guys think I'm playing. Like, this is a crisis. I was like, I'm going to come out like this and my, my photos. And I'm not going to wear makeup. I'm not wearing makeup. Should I wear makeup? You know, it was like an intent. I had like a, like a crisis in my life. And of course, that doesn't seem like a big deal to me. Now I'm 37, married with two kids. But man, when I was there and I had my nose and had the pictures and what was Kelly going to think? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was an intense thing. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's a pimple. Or, dude, maybe it's the death of a family member. By the way, Julian just finished his chemotherapy. Are you here, Jules? Is Julian here? Yeah. Okay, just as a testimony, 15-year-old Julian, he's quiet. You guys know him. We're playing soccer with him. He hears that he has cancer. I'm with his mom on the phone. They're telling him the results. He asked the people to leave the, 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 the place. And Colin is there. He's been in the journey with him all along. First thing, Julian, and he brings his little sister in the room. They're in the little room. And I asked Carmen, what are they doing right now? Oh, they turned music on. They're praising God. I was like, hold on a second. You mean to tell me that this 15-year-old and 9-years-old, I think Siobhan has, right? They're in this room just praising God right after hearing that he has this intense, aggressive cancer all over his body. That's the giants I'm talking about. Are you the kind of person that says, Lord, I have it in me that when the giants come, let them come, I'll meet them with a song. That you can say, Lord, I have it in me to say, I'll fight the grasshoppers and I'll fight the giants. Because I have a promise. You see, my promise, my promise is as good as the one promising it. My promise is as good as the one promising it. But we don't remember the promises. 
And so the problem with us is that we don't remember the promises. See, we must remember what the promise is. This is why it's important for you to write it. Put it on the walls. We encourage people to have walls of dreams. CEOs do it all over the world. Managers do it all over the world. You must have clear vision, clear goals. What is the promise that God has for me? What is the promise? If you don't have a wall of dreams, ask your leadership, help me to do a wall of dreams. For us, it's a big red wall. It was a big red wall in our apartment. Now we have another wall we're working on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, what are those dreams? What are you driving through to? And when the giants come, that you could remember, hold on, you're big, but my God is way bigger. You're big, but man, you're done. I remember this, this I read one time this, this really cool story that this guy was climbing Mount Everest and he failed miserably. People came and asked him, oh, he, was, he looks so angry looking at the, the mountain, shaking his fist. He said, what are you saying to the mountain? What were you saying back there? After he was getting interviewed. And he said, I was telling the mountain, you are so big, but you're as big as you, you are already as big as you'll ever be, but I'm still growing. Isn't that cool? To be able to say, you're big, you're so big, but I'm still growing. To be able to say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling right now. There's a giant right in front of me. I'm hurting right now, but you know what? I'm still growing. You know what? There's a giant there, but I know my God is going to see me through this. I'm not a grasshopper. Amen? So your giants must be met. And I forgot to say this on the first one. But the first one is that the grasshoppers must be met with confidence. The giants must be met with courage. You have to have courage. So against grasshoppers, you have to be confident. Not self-esteem, but God-esteem, which is different. So if you could rewind a second, when you want to encounter grasshoppers, you won't do it through faking the funk. You could only do it by knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. Okay, this is super important. How could I have missed it? Thank God I remembered because it's in my notes and I'm not looking it up. You have to have God esteem. America loves to talk about self-esteem. I don't know how many self-help books are written out there, which is great. That's amazing stuff. But there must be Christ help. That when you have nothing to grip on, nothing else, you say, Lord, I know who I am in you. I've lost it all except the greatest thing, which is my faith, in, my faith in you. To be able to stand in front of someone who has more than you seemingly and has gone through more than you and you can still preach to them about the word of God. I shared with you guys earlier how we're discipling somebody with 12 Grammys. 12 Grammys, multi, multi millions. And this person week after week, we disciple and we help them. This guy who doesn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue of what a Grammy was before. I don't know anything about music. I don't think I even heard anything. Like, I couldn't tell you who a Grammy winner is. Is a Grammy like, anyway, now I know because I've seen the wall. But I couldn't tell you what they look like. How could I disciple someone like that? It's because, see, it's called Christ's esteem, not self-esteem. I got nothing, but I got Christ. So I got it all. Somebody please say amen. amen. That's God esteem. So you meet grasshoppers, not with what you have. Because you may not have it, truth be told. The enemy will tell you, psst, you don't know that. Are you going to say, psst, I know that. I already know I don't, but I know who does. Amen. Hey, you know what? You haven't experienced that. When I was 17 years old, I had to give counseling to this couple. I remember that. I know their last name, and I'm not going to say it. Because I pray that one day God will meet them face, face, face to face. And they just really have an encounter with him. And the guy told me, the man, why is it always the dudes? Why is it always the men? Usually. This man told me, what are you going to tell me? You're 17. You probably don't even have a girlfriend. I was like, you know, I wanted to choke the guy. You know, I wanted to like take, I think I could have taken him. He's big, but I could have taken him. See, that's self-esteem. But, but I, remember, I remember telling him, she, you know, it was so wild. It was like this holy anger came over me. I say, you know so much more than me, but you don't know how to treat your wife. And the Bible can tell you how. And I was like 17. I was like, mm. <laughs> And it wasn't even wise. It wasn't something awesome. But the wife was like, yeah. <laughs> I just want to tell you that, that whole thing. I wish I could tell you. Then they ended up their marriage restored. And they actually got the divorce. So it was horrible. They shouldn't have come with me. I was 17 only. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. You actually can. I'm not even playing. When you stick to the word of God. I don't care what situation it is. I don't, man, I'm telling you, we've come through political advice, through suicide, through all kinds of different intense scenarios. Every time, 
We pray, God, give us wisdom. God, give us wisdom. God, give us wisdom. It's God's team. Will God give you words? Open your mouth and he will fill it. Man, God will give you the wisdom. Amen? Never shrink. Ever, 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 ever. Amen? So that's God's team. Now, I'm going to go jump back to the last point now. Is that okay? You guys okay? I do this sometimes. I apologize. So the last one is this, is how to overcome the gray hairs. And some of you here would say, what are you talking about gray hairs? Last slide. So gray hairs is that Caleb said, I am 85 years old. But I love his response. Now, obviously, most of you here don't have gray hairs. But there's a lot of old young people in this place. And it's sad. It really is sad. There's a lot of you here that have the aged spirit. Your spirit, it's almost like, yeah, I'm already ready to retire. It's all, I am not even playing. When I ask you about your dreams, you ask this culture, this generate, your generation. Hey, what are your dreams? What are you dreaming about? Well, I don't know. Ask a 16-year-old what his dreams are. And he'll tell you, I want to be level 2 in FIFA 19. Some of you guys are, what is that? It's a video game. <laughs> what about you? What is your dream? Oh, I don't know. I want to have a girlfriend. That's a dream? What is your dream? What are you dreaming of? See, what happens is that older people, some are so young at heart. Their spirit is still alive. I read some characteristics, psychological aging. There are three things that really are characteristic of old people. Tell me if this is not true. The first one is that little things are always a burden to them. Tiny little things that didn't bother them before. All of a sudden they start being bothered by it. Do you have someone in your house always turning off the lights right behind you? If you're that person, you're getting old, bro. Listen, I'm not even playing. Everything bugs you. The music's too loud. Man, you're moving too much. You already told me once. I didn't tell you anything. Well, I, why didn't you tell me? Isn't it true? You didn't put gas in the car. Did you even take the car? Always annoyed at something. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, and I could read it to you the whole thing. I won't because I don't have time. But if you want to take some time later, Ecclesiastes 12.3, it gives you these three. This comes from psychology, yet it's all in the scripture. It says that grasshoppers are a burden to the aged. Grasshoppers are a burden to the aged. The tiniest little things bug them. If you're a child of God and you're bothered by tiny little things, your battles are this small, that is the size of your greatness. Your size, the size of your greatness is determined by the size of the battles you wage. So if you're easily annoyed at all these things, then I can tell you, you got spiritual gray hairs you need to start asking God is this battle worth fighting or do you have a bigger battle for me to fight see we end up fighting with people instead of fighting against the enemy who's taking them to hell instead of getting in this dumb arguments with our families and getting all angry about them just do what they ask you to do that was too hard for you guys I know I'm sorry guys I just went there it's too difficult a word to swallow but can you simply say I won't be bothered by this thing can I tell you what ruins marriages more before you even get married. So raise your hand if you're married, by the way. Ooh, so you guys are going to know this is true. You're being married like one month. And you already know this is true. Okay, with the three weeks. Ooh, by the way, Ryan's getting married tomorrow. That's amazing. And Asia, are they here? No, they're getting the venue ready. So that's what it feels like. Anyway, so this is, this is wild. That most marriages fall apart not because of big things. It's dumb little things. It's these little tiny grasshoppers that end up annoying the heck out of each other. And eventually they get so angry, so mad. They feel unloved, uncherished, disrespected, not valued. They start finding it somewhere else. Or to be honest with you, it's those tiny little things that it became these big things. And yet it's the same thing in the Lord. Why didn't you spend time with God today? Oh, because I was so busy. God will never give you a schedule that will push him out. So if your schedule is pushing God's out, maybe it's not his schedule. And you need to reschedule. So it's these tiny little things that end up pushing the great things out of our lives. It's these tiny little things that end up annoying us, getting us angry. And because you get angry at your mom, then you don't do your devotional. Really? How does that make any sense? 
Or because all of a sudden, you know, you got people just at work. You got really just, you decide not to spend time with God. Why? Learn to be still and know that he is God. Amen? Next thing that older people do, really, really old people, is that they are really afraid of things, of, of, of taking risks. I never want to grow to the point where I don't take any more risks. Now, don't get me wrong. I also have to measure things. I'm not going to go jump off cliffs anymore because I have children now. I'm not going to ride a motorcycle anymore because my wife would probably kill me before I fall. <laughs> but, but it is characteristic of older people to measure and not the bible says there in ecclesiastes that older folk they're afraid of falling have you met older people that you know if you're nine years old you fall you get up scrape your knee you're okay elijah falls about 60 times a day and Kosi, who's two today he falls about 150 times a day that's not an exaggeration he lives on the ground more than he lives on his feet and that's intense man i'm telling you not counting sleep and why do i tell you this because he if you're 85 years old and you fall, and that's an issue because a hip gets broken. My grandma, when I asked my mom, what did grandma die of? Of a broken shoulder. I said, people don't die of a broken shoulder. She didn't survive the surgery. I said, that's intense. Let me tell you this. You will make it. You're going to be all right. You can never grow old in your faith. You cannot be afraid of taking risks. We can never be afraid of saying, God, you're going to use me greatly and speak it out loud. And say, I'm not scared. So what? Remember when I lost all my friends right out of college? All my friends were gone in like a minute. Everybody was gone. One became, you know, blood and big time in jail. Shot somebody AK-47 point blank. You know the story. He gave his life to Christ down the road. Paid for encounter and all. He didn't go. He still owes me to, to, to go. But he went. The next one, porn star. All these other people, the other one, I saw him on a billboard not too long ago. I was driving left, and he's an NFL coach now. It's awesome stuff. Different people, different places. But why do I tell you this? Different people, different places. You cannot be afraid of losing. You cannot be afraid of losing your current friendships. You cannot be afraid of losing your girlfriend, losing your boyfriend. Why do I tell you this? Follow Christ. Follow him hard. Follow Christ and follow him hard. If you lose someone, maybe, just maybe, God has something greater for you. Amen? Or, oh, man. Amen? We cannot be afraid of taking risks. One of the risks that I would encourage you to take, it is the risk, and which leads me to the next point, of dreaming like you've never, ever dreamt before. Dream. Intense. And I don't want to sound like a, just a personal motivator. Oh, that's awesome. I could help you with that. But that's not what I want to do here. I simply want to tell you, dreams are the language of the Spirit. Dreams are the language of, your, of the Spirit. So speak spiritual languages. The language of the Spirit is simple. Dream. Pastor Caesar says, dream and you will win the world. I believe that 100%. That didn't come from him. It didn't come from me. It comes from the Word of God. You see, when God created this world, he told you to go, be fruitful, and multiply. To subdue the earth. Dream. Ask God for great things. When people get older, they do get wiser. But many times they are afraid of dreaming or they stop dreaming altogether because there is no future. They talk about the good old days. It's like me talking about cars. I would not, man, I would 10 times rather drive that beautiful car outside, that's $2,000, the Plymouth Fury 1971. Other I'm telling you, you could not get me to drive a Mercedes over that thing, ever, ever. Ask Chris. I'm like, heck no. I would not want to drive that piece of junk that you drive, Chris. It's a garbage. Gar German garbage. That's all it is. American muscle. That's where it's at. See, I sound like an old guy. Ah, boom, boom, boom. Things are not just made like that. Things are not made like they used to. Ewany gets really bored about that because, see, I sometimes go and I just kick my car for the fun of it. And then I say, should I do that to yours? See, because the sheet metal was different back then. It was a lot thicker. The gauge is different. Now they use 22 gauge. See, you don't want to hear that stuff because I sound like an old guy, don't I? Arr. You know, but you know what? That's the characteristic of old people. The good old days. Back in the day, things were so much better. See, they don't make kids like they used to. We used to walk uphill there and back to school in the snow, no shoes. And <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Back in the day, everything was awesome. Everything was amazing back in the day. I've been to churches. I've been part of a church that I, the reason I didn't want to go to church is because of the old people in my church. And it wasn't age old people. It was old people in the spirit. Because some of them weren't even old. They would rather 
listen to this. They would rather keep the church as it was than fix the sin in their lives. They kicked us out of church, my mom and us as pastors, pastoral family, because we try to confront some of the deacons with their sin. So they kicked us out instead of kicking sin out of the church. Why do I speak to you like this? Because you see, I know for a fact, for a fact that God is always, always thinking of the future. Something greater, something better, more conquest, something more, more land, something greater. Always has something better. Always, always. Settlers are not conquerors. God has you as a conqueror. He didn't call you more than settlers. He said more than conquerors. If you're in Christ, you will have to ask, what's next, Lord? Follow me as I follow Jesus, right? When Jesus would tell people, pick up your cross and follow me. Do you follow Jesus or do you feel like Jesus is just there all the time sitting by your side? Every time I look at the scripture, Jesus is doing something greater, doing something else. If you're following Christ, you will never be stagnant. If you feel stagnant, maybe you're not following hard enough. Here's the cool thing about this. I'm going to finish. The wild thing about this part, which is the last one is the gray hairs. It's yourself. You losing your vision, because that's what happens with older people, doesn't it? They begin to lose their vision. Remember what Helen Keller said? Remember I shared with you guys this off, really often, right? The, the, the true, that the worst tragedy of life is not losing your sight, but having sight and yet no vision. So for us here today, I don't care if you're 16 or 60, do you have vision for your life? Do you have vision in Christ? Do you see yourself multiplying the character of Christ in the women and the men around you? Can you say, God, I can still raise a generation for God. I don't care what's happened in the past. Let me finish with this. My son's name is Caleb, and his name means dog. You're thinking, who in their right mind would name their son dog? My son's name in Hebrew, means dog. For those of you that have a son named Caleb, like we just did the, the Caleb's uh, presentation last week. Amilcar and Carmen, don't get mad. Just give me a minute. But that's an amazing name. Let me tell you why. Because if you, knew, if you really knew why Caleb was the man that God just loved so much. I want you to think about this for a second. Would you stand up with me as I tell you why I named my son not because I want to say, what up, dog? <laughs> but we could miss it. If we read it fast, see, if you read the Bible, just skim it. You can miss some of the greatest pearls there. Caleb was not a Jew. Caleb was not an original. See, Caleb was a foreigner. He was an outsider. It says there that Caleb was a son of Jephunneh. The Kenizzite. And Kenizzites were not a Hebrew nation. The Kenizzites were not part of the tribes of Israel. The Kenizzites, listen to this, they were part of foreigners, even enemies at times. What do I tell you this? What in the world is Caleb doing in the Exodus nation? What in the world did this guy, how did he fall into the leadership, not the echelon, the upper leadership of the chosen people of God. Man, I love Caleb so much. Yeah, when I, I talk about him, I get so pumped. Because I'm reminded on the day I chose my son's name. This guy, his name is Dog. You see, a father would never name a son Dog. Because especially back then, a dog was meaningless. was nothing. It was, it was garbage. It was, remember David's insult against Goliath? Remember that? You see me as a dog, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to feed you to the dogs of the field. Dog, dog, dog. Why? It is an insult. This guy was unwanted. I don't know how, but I'm going to speculate because the Bible is not thick enough. So I have to go to commentaries, but the greatest commentary is my prayer time. And so I began to ask God, Holy Spirit, show me why this is. And maybe I'm speculating so you cannot make theology out of this. 
But maybe he was a slave too, like the Hebrew nation. Maybe for the 400 years, at some point, Caleb got given away by his parents, an unwanted child. Or maybe somebody sold him into it. And instead of calling him by his name, whatever his Kenizzite name was, they call him, you dog. Hey dog, come here. <whistles> fetch me this, fetch me that. I wonder if Caleb, as a little boy, didn't grow up hearing dog, 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 over and over. And he became part of the slave nation. But you see, God gave him a chance, an incredible chance. When Moses calls the people out of Israel, this guy that wasn't supposed to be there, he's like, I'm going with him. But you're not a Hebrew. Shh. You're a dog. Your name is Caleb. I don't care. I'm going with him. What if God has a place for me? And you see, this guy, Caleb, became one of the leaders of this entire nation. Not only one of the leaders, one of the only two that entered the promised land. You see, because they all died. 40 years in the desert, all of them died. An entire generation of 45 years, all the 12 leaders, only two made it. Joshua, whom we know now became that guy. And maybe, just maybe, that's why Joshua became instead of Caleb. Because Joshua doesn't even speak during that time. Maybe that's why Caleb ended up being the guy there. The fighter. The dog. You know what I'm saying? The one who still got some scrap inside of him. But this guy said, the Bible says of him, that he was faithful to the Lord. Always. Always faithful to the Lord. It wasn't even his Lord. You see, he was thankful to God. He had a second chance. He had a second opportunity. He was dog. The Kenosite. And so he knew God had rescued him from a pit, from a low place. From a place where that's all he was. Instead, now, my boy's name is Caleb. And I say it with so much pride and with so much joy. Because this guy became part of, listen to this, part of the, tri of the tribe of Judah. Do you know what came out of Judah? Do you have a clue who is the lion of Judah? This was the royalty. The, the greatest strength. The, the politicians. The, 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 you know, the kings. Out of the tribe of Judah. Not Benjamin, the small one. No, no. Judah. Caleb, the dog. The leader of Judah. That's right. When I read that story, all I see is redemption. All I see is my God saying to me, I don't care if you're a foreigner. I don't care if you don't speak this. I don't care if you have that. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if you're this or that. I don't care if people believe in you. I don't care if you're a sinner. If you've fallen 10 times today and you're still struggling with the 11th. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what people call you. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what people have done to you. I know who you are, and I still, listen to this, I still call you part of the elite. The Lord says, and I put that in my heart, God put that in my heart, and I love to put it in yours, that no matter what people say, no matter what the enemy says, the grasshoppers, the giants, the circumstances, or even what you feel inside of you, I can tell you this, if God did that with Caleb, he saw the promised land. So I'm going to read this to you, and as you close your eyes, I need you to hear this. Joshua said, 14, 13 to 15, Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since. Because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Bible adds, wholeheartedly. He who is forgiven most loves most. Dear God, I ask you right now that every person at CFF here tonight, that you would help us, God, to not live under circumstance, under people's opinions. Please, Lord. That we would never age in our faith, God. That we never become so wise that we don't believe anymore, God. Help us to be Innocent God, faith-like children, no matter how hurt, how wounded, like in my case or my wife's case, God. And we can still say, Lord, I love you and I believe in what you can do in me, through me, and through us, God. There's someone here right now, as I speak and as I pray, that God is lifting you up from a mire cliff. Man, God is lifting you up from a pit. God is telling you right now, it's time to dream again. It's time to restore. It's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. It's time to be used by God again. 
Come on, it's time to be used by God again. When one name that goes by dog ends up being the, the leader, the one of the guys that enter the promised land out of two of the twelve. God says to you, I have a promised land for you. I don't care what life you lived. I don't care how you've been treated. I can tell you what land you're going to. Oh, and I can tell you what beautiful, incredible relationship I have with you. Dear God, right now I ask you, bring into their hearts, Lord, a new breath. Bring them a new breath, God. Give them a new spirit within them, God. A different spirit within them. God, I thank you because I know, I know that today, right here, right now, your spirit is moving. And if so, anyone decides to say, Lord, I want to believe, God. I want to dream, God. I want to be used by you. I want to win souls. I want to make disciples, God. I want to, be go I want to go as high as you can take me and always remember where I came from, God. I always want to represent you everywhere I go. Dear God, I pray right now, Lord, that you make families, strong families, God, that will raise generation for you. God, I pray right now, God, that if anyone in here has been bothered with small stuff and they didn't even know how to deal with it. That they would understand that that's the enemy trying to destroy the peace of God in their lives. So I declare if you are hurting right now and you're struggling with your character. An anointing of God over your life. As I pray now. A shield of protection over your heart. A vision for the future where the present doesn't bother you so much. Because you know where God is taking you. When people annoy you, when people hurt you, dream for them. Dream for them. Stop scheming in your mind. Start praying for them. God says to you right now, I believe God is putting that in my heart for you. And I am very careful, as you know, to ever say God says. I try my very best not to say these words because I'm very aware. But I know God is simply telling you, as it says in his word, do not be afraid. Only be strong, be courageous. Do not tremble, do not fear. Don't grow old. Because I, the Lord your God, we will have me, I'll be with you everywhere you go. When you go to Joshua 1 9, it's one of the most known verses in the scripture. God had to say it to Joshua as he said it to Moses, and he had to repeat it again and again. And I believe it wasn't because Joshua was so brave that he had no fear. It was because he was so brave because he had a bunch of fear. And so if you are here struggling with fear, as older people in the spirit do, I pray God restores you, restores your faith, restores your courage. Be courageous in the name of Jesus. Pray for someone who is sick this week. Break out of the cage. Come on, church. This is the week where you pray for someone who is sick. Maybe you go to your coworker and say, man, I've been going to this company. I've been here with, with you so long and I feel so embarrassed. Because I've been working with you for a year and I never told you about the most important thing in your life and my life. And that is Jesus Christ. God give them courage. God give them courage to ask for forgiveness to someone here. God give them the courage to go to their fathers and their mothers and simply say, I'm sorry. I have not been the greatest son, but I need you to help me. I'm going to change. In the name of Jesus, I will be a better testimony in this house. God, I pray right now that you give courage to these people right now, Lord. Help this church to grow, Lord. Cast roots. Let the fruit remain, but cast roots, God. God, I thank you so much for tonight. And I thank you, God, because I know that this is a, a group of conquerors, God. A nation of disciples of Jesus Christ that will raise disciples of Christ. Help this church, God, to never become stale. To never become stagnant. To never want to protect the past, Lord. God, we want to risk everything to gain what you have in store for us, God. We will leave our Egypt behind and we want to leave the desert behind, God. We want our Canaan. We want our promised land, God. Give us our promised land. God, I pray right now for anyone here that's been waiting for a long time. I pray that you give them faith like Caleb. To know that whatever it takes, however long it takes, they will see their promise come to pass. God, I pray right now for anyone who's felt like a dog. That they would know that there's a God who sees us all. And who has amazing plans. Plans greater than they could have ever dreamt or imagined. The Bible says, oh man, there's things that ears have not heard and eyes have not seen. Those are the things that have come up into the heart of God. There's things that God has reserved for you.
God says, I don't care if you are feeling low and unwanted. God says, you are welcome. You're welcome home. You're welcome. He says, welcome, welcome. Dear God, I thank you because no matter what, no matter who, no matter how long, Lord, you're always, always as a good father there. I thank you for your kids. I thank you for this time, for this place. May we go out and live it out. God, may we just simply live truly your word. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. Of course, I run late. Hey, I need to hurry. Um, Hebron means fellowship, by the way. Hebron means unity. Hebron is that mountain. They say, give me Hebron. Give me my mountain. Can I tell you this? You need to continuously fight for unity. Continuously fight for that relationship with God and with people around you. It is not just going to happen. You have to fight for it. So I'll leave you with that. I didn't have time to talk about that point. But I have to leave you with that. You have to have to fight for your relationship with God every single day. Someone told me, Pastor, can you teach me how to do spiritual war? I say, yes, it's called prayer. Just that's the war itself, man. Later on, all the other stuff comes. But just praying, it's already an engagement of war. So start battling, start going to war. Amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Okay.